Thank you to all the volunteers, all the ministries serving in the house. We honor you for that. Thank you so much, Tech. Some people don't know this, but some of you arrive at church when I arrive at church, like quarter to seven some Sundays. So there's a people here basically for their whole lives on Sundays. So thank you for being here your whole life. And then with that said, please, as a belief, we, you will hear this often in second services. We are real people, yeah? No dinosaurs or aliens in the house, right? Real people, and here's the thing, serving a real God. He knows your heart. He knows your insides. He knows your outsides. He knows your thoughts in this very moment. So here's the thing. Let's be real in the house of God. Relax. He can awesome all. Says, yeah, as means awesome all. Then he changed me. And you're more than welcome to take off your jacket and loosen your shirt and your dusk and my vai. All right. It's about God and a real God. So welcome in the house. Welcome the family where we are real in his presence. So that's what it's about. So I'm happy to have you here. I'm excited to share in this day something that we've been journeying throughout the last few weeks. And it's an awesome journey so far. I can tell you I've had experiences this weekend which I've never prayed even before. You know, it just happened. And it all came back to this series we're busy with, the book of James. Now, let me bring you into the picture. If you maybe missed it, or maybe you catched only a, a part here and there, you can also get it on the website, by the way. All the sermons are online. You can get it there. But let me bring you into the moment. So we have James, Jacobus. And you know James is a in-your-face guy. James is the guy that calls a spade a spade. James is the guy that wrote the book, not just knowing Jesus spiritually, but knowing Jesus as a brother in a house. They grew up together physically in the same room with the same mom and dad, and they were in trouble together. And I believe, like I said, that maybe James was the one that got the blame most of the time. Because, I mean, it is Jesus. How are you going to compete with Jesus in the house as a brother. You know, so the mom says, can you be more like your brother Jesus? He's like, well, did I create the world? You know, seriously. He grew up in that atmosphere. I didn't Jesus was as and they grew up together. But you see, one thing about James reigns true. While they grew up in the same household, guess what? He never believed in Jesus as the Savior. James was pessimistic regarding Jesus as the Savior. It's just his sibling. It's just a brother. So eventually story goes on. Jesus grows up. James grows up. He still does not believe in Jesus as the Savior. And then Jesus is crucified. There Jesus dies. His own brother dies. He sees it. He experiences it. Yet he still does not believe. For if you were the Savior, how could you have died? James's mindset, his heartbeat. But you see, after the empty grave, Jesus appears to James. Physically appears after his death. And he goes to James and he's like, guess what? Here I am. I'm here not only as your Savior. I'm here not only as Jesus Christ, my Father in heaven's Son. But I'm here as your brother. You've got to get that. Jesus arrives face to face to a heart that does not believe and is skeptical regarding the word of God. Yet Jesus steps into the moment of unbelief and he says, here's proof. But I come not only as your king and savior, the heavenly God. I come as your brother whom you know. 
You've got to get this about James. His whole life changes because he's had experience with Jesus, not only the Savior, but Jesus, his brother whom he knew. My brother. And then Jesus also says, I call you friends now. You're no longer slaves. You are friends. Jesus appears as a friend. It changed the whole life of James. And in that moment, James was turned in his heart and his beliefs and even in his future. And he wrote this book, the book of James. 47 years later, he writes this book based upon the experiences with Jesus as a sibling in the house. But Jesus as the Savior and brother and friend, which just showed up. And he said, listen, yes is yes and no is no. And it is black and white. There's no gray area. You cannot be warm and be cold and call it lukewarm for you will be spit from the mouth of God. James comes into that moment and he says, listen, let's write a book. And he writes this book, and you've got to get this, not to the unbelievers. Because here's the truth. Have you ever spoken to small kids? Have you ever seen kinderkies? As you ever seen kinderkies? Mm-hmm. I can tell you a story, prof. Ek nog groot geword waar jy vir ons op borde skryf, ek weet nie of het meer gebeur nie. So they've got the board fears, you know, you rub it out. And then this one day, is, ek, was die mond die eel of nie, was het hy? Ek kan nie onthou nie. Um, hy is toe by die, by die school en hy vertel hier die story. Hy sê van hierdie sienkie wat die jambroekie wou gooi, hier recht langs die jyfrou sy kop op die boord, en hy doen het, en soos die, die broekie toen nou gooi, in die licht slow motion, sien hy maar hierdie broekie gaan die jyfrou tref. Hy vertel hierdie story, en ons sit in ekonomie, en hierdie dingetje is in my kop. Hoe cool kan dit nie net wees nie? Prof, ek vader, hy het rijtveer, hy het die boordveer, vat om. En die is bezig om te skryf op die boord, en hy let rip my, soos David vir Goliath. En hy let go, en hy denk jy gaan dier die licht, en hy twil, en ek sê, yeah! Half pa daar, draai die jyfrou so slow mou om. Als vries in my leven net daar. This is gonna go bad. Die boordveer het nog nie die jyfrou getref nie, toe maak ek al so. You see, the thing about... Many things in the word of God is exactly that. You see the problem, you know the problem, you know you're guilty, but we do this. No, it's the pastor's fault. It's the church's fault. It is the dogma's fault. No, you know what? It's actually my fault because I need to go study, but I don't have money to study. So I'll just be who I am for the rest of my life. We start pointing fingers. So James writes this book to the believing community of that day and time, the church. And he says, listen, stop pointing fingers, for I need to get this in your heads and in your hearts, that you cannot be warm and cold and call it lukewarm. You've got to be on fire. So he writes this book. So my wife wrote, omgedrang, say, so wie dit gegooi, bloedroonig sig, So, eventually, so I go back. So, my so gekyk, prof, 700 slabs, ja, later, jy vraag, ja, maar, toegigels, hy oor het sê, sê sê, nou, hoekom duplessie? Ek sê, vrou, die story, en toe sê, nou, weet van die story, op die story, toe sê, nou, baie snaaks, maar, nie te min, ek was die hero, sê, het vir week nie ekonomie gehad nie, sê, het by die huis geblei. So, 
every decision we have, make, every action we live, it's got a reaction. Some people in life will praise you for where you are, and it might not be for the right reasons. You've got to get this. You feel praised, you feel valuable, you feel honored, you feel God is using you, but the praise you receive is from people that don't even believe in God. It's not validated praise. It's not spiritual praise. And let me tell you, you should seek the praise of your Father in heaven first. As you act, as you react, as you throw some, some bored fears around, it should be in the Spirit if God intended and God led and the Spirit spoke. See, James writes this book, and he says it's all about growing in the Spirit. It's all about being moved in the Spirit. It's about maturing in the Spirit. You see, God the Father in His Word teaches us clearly you and I is not made to drink from the milk only. You and I is not made, we're not made to be babies in the Spirit over and over and for the rest of our lives. You see, here's the problem of that, and I think it's true. When heaven's gates and are they 100 kilometers away in heaven, and you need to run towards it when you enter heaven, and you're still a baby, it's going to take you eternity to reach the gates. You cannot enter the kingdom of God as a baby with a baby mentality and spirit because it might take you forever to just go through the gates into His presence and praise. The Word of God teaches. You and I, we need to mature in the spirit. Then James wrote this book and he said that you and I need to focus on something that grows us spiritually like never before and it's called heavenly wisdom. And we touched on it last week. We said that there's earthly wisdom, which the uh, scriptures even call demonic. It's evil inspired. It is a foundation of the enemy, and you react from there. It is not a wisdom that flows from heaven and God's heartbeat. See, today I want to carry on from there. I want to touch on this again because the church needs to realize that the wisdom you think you speak or the wisdom you act upon might not be spirit-led in God, but it actually might be influenced from demonic forces. Now you go like, ah, see, demons or may, I tell you that James is saying, who knew Jesus personally as a friend and a brother is saying, if it's not spirit, it's de demonic. Now we go like, yes, was seat belts for Noskarkstul. I know it's hectic to hear, but the truth is the truth. And the word of God will never cease to exist. It will reign true, and the truth will set free. You and I need to take the truth, embrace the truth like a hurdle in our lives, like an obstacle, because going through it, we will grow. We cannot avoid everything we feel uncomfortable with. James is saying, face it head on, but face it in the spirit so that you will grow and mature. I want to read with you James 3, and that's where we're at today. James 3, verse 13 and onwards, same as last week. This is part two. So let me read it. You've got to listen to the words which James uses. Verse 13, who among you is wise and intelligent? So he spoke to the church leaders in those days, and he said, listen, wie slim, wie weis, wie awesome, wie getrain, who's the man? 
And I believe in asking that question. Some people in the church that day went like, me? Uh, the bulkier, 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 bulkier. You know, you know those people, these Muslim men, see? Those three bikes in your cosmic bulkies. In those days, some people stood up and took the praise in the moment. So he sprung a trap. James sprung a trip, trap by asking, listen, who of you are those people that think highly of themselves? Who promote themselves to levels that you do not deserve? Who are the self-proclaimed pastors and teachers and rabbis of this day? And these people are responding, oh, that's me. Can everyone see my hand? It's me. I did this. And then he carries on. Let him by his good conduct, his works, his deeds, show his good deeds. So you ask the question, people respond, and then he hits them. Pah! So if you're that good, why do I not see it in your life? If you're as awesome as you say, why do I not, do I not see it in your deeds? Why do I not hear it in your words? And he's in their faces immediately. He's like, but he's preaching the word. He's preaching from a place where Jesus just turned his life. He's speaking into the house of God so that you and I, still in this very day, can walk accurately as mature Christians. He's basically saying there's no place in the kingdom and the church for the I. It's about the them. It's about the unit. And I tell you, as James to that church, you have problems in your midst, for you are self-proclaimed. You are in your own identity rising. You are you, and there's no God left in you. Gets in their faces. And then he says, let me see the good deeds in your life with the gentleness and humility of true heavenly wisdom. Oh, that's like getting a hiding. That's like you hear from two board borsels gegooi and you gaan kantoor toe. He carries on. Verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambitions in your hearts, do not be arrogant and as a result be in defiance of the truth. I don't know how well you know your word. I don't know how well you know your Bible. But the word I know God is the truth. So when he says, listen, do not be in defiance of the truth, he is saying do not go against God. Don't let simple things like jealousy and selfish ambitions and you in yourself take you away from God. For the truth sets free. For the truth saves. Carries on. This superficial wisdom is not that which comes from above. It's not godly. But it's earthly, secular, natural, unspiritual, and even demonic. Straight to the point. If you're not for the truth, if you're not for God, you're against Him. You're immediately an enemy. When you are in the middle, when you are lukewarm, you fall to the enemy's side. You will be spit out. You will be rejected. You will be ignored. You will say, but in your name I sang that song. He will say, go away and I do not know you. That's what James is saying. Before the days of Paul, he is saying hardcore stuff. That is the heartbeat of God the Father. Everything Jesus just died for, he proclaims. He speaks out. Verse 17, but, and this is the awesome part. God never, 
convicts your heart and leave you there. He comes with the opportunity and the information so that you can grow spiritually and mature in the spirit as a follower of Christ. So he says, but the wisdom from above, the godly wisdom, is first pure, and that's where we stood last week. It means morally and spiritually undefiled. Then peace-loving, courteous, considerate, and gentle. It is reasonable, and will, you are willing to listen. Full of compassion and good fruits. It is unwavering. With a self, without self-righteousness, hypocrisy, and self-servingness. And a seed whose fruit is righteousness. Spiritual maturity is sown in peace by those who make peace. And he ends there. James, in this moment, comes into the scene. He gets into the faces of the church leaders that is self-proclaimed. Therefore, their own gain, they only promote themselves. And he says, you've got, you've got two types of wisdom. You've got two types of knowledge. You've got two types of reactions based upon your knowledge and in life. The one is for self and it's worldly and even demonic. And the one is in God and through His Spirit. And then He says, when the Spirit leads and the wisdom that is from the Spirit enters your life, the fruit will show. Here's the thing, dude. You've got to get this. He's talking to those who enter the house and the meetings that praise God for the, the op obstacles they just overcame. Oh, I went through this. I went through this problem. But you know what? I solved it through the knowledge and the wisdom I have. Oh, yes, like, and I'm so strong now. I'm awesome. If you've got a problem, phone me. He's speaking to them. And he's saying, you do this on Sundays, but you hypocrites are led by demonic forces of the selfishness in your hearts. The moment you leave, God knows as the friend and the Savior, you did not even start to go through that trial and testing that is from God. You failed before you began because your heart is filled with the selfishness and jealousness. You are demonically led. Your fruit should be on Monday, he said. Your fruit should be on Tuesday. Your fruit should be on Wednesday. Your fruit should be on Thursday even more so. Oh, Friday is not a day off because it's Friday. Oh, Friday. No. It should be just as powerful as the moment you just entered into worship in the church. Even more so. Let me testify in humbleness. And humility in my heart. I had the privilege, you see, Jock and Esti is not here. They eventually got married. Hallelujah. Yeah, you can clap for that. We've been preaching it up in their lives. Let me bring you into the picture. Jock and Esti is there. Elke dienst voor die laaste, ek wil maar sê, acht maanden ons soos, hallo, hallo, jy is hier een gewerk in Jock, jy is hard dat hulle verloof raak. Want arme Esti, you know, she wants to get married. And eventually they got engaged and they married. So we've been on the journey with them. But I'm, I'm doing their marriage, their, uh, their wedding. There I am. So I was doing the chapel. And I believe in celebrating weddings. You know, it's not a church service. We celebrate the moment and what God did in their lives. So it's a 10-minute thing, man. 
ek kan nie vir hulle sê, vir mense kom na my toe, en sê net, yes, dude, die boodskap, ek draai om, and I say this in the truth, I don't even know what message you're talking about. Because all I said was, we are thankful for where they are because of God's movement. And we know that they praise God throughout the journey. That was the message. It was at my throat. We didn't preach nothing. I think I read one verse, a three-stranded rope is it's not easily snapped. People came and said, thank you for the message. I walked away, and I praise you here, hallelujah, and I go like, what got on? I don't even know the people. Around 12 o'clock that night, the groom, jockey, calls me aside. He says, I've got to share this with you. People came to us after the chapel service that literally spoke to them in the last three years, proclaiming, I do not believe there's a God. They went to the groom and the, the, the bride, and they said, dan dan I will go to church because of today. I was flabbergasted. I was in nederigheid oor my heart. It was definitely not me. For the message they heard was spirit-led. Something happened in their hearts and Jockey began to I said, I've been praying for these people. People, They're on my pick six card. Praying for them for months. And then Esti and I, after counseling, took hands and we prayed this. Lord, on our wedding day, let people receive a message that's from you and let their lives be changed. I didn't know. You know, I go to, to weddings almost gereed my You know, we're going to have church in the presence of God. People, self-proclaimed atheists, I believe in nothing. In their wedding service of celebrating God in His love, people found God. People were moved by the Spirit. James writes a book that speaks to moments like that. He says you've got to always be prepared because I prepared the sermon. I promise you over and over. I never step into a meeting place where God is, and that's every moment when I'm not prepared. You've got to go through in faith and deeds and actions. You've got to do your part. But in faith, you stand in the moment, and you pray, and you say, Lord, let me not miss the moment. Speak. Move. James says you've got to be that every day. You cannot switch off because you're going to a wedding. You cannot switch off because the wedding ceremony is finished and the Bible is closed. You cannot walk out of the chapel and go like, okay, no, it's kind of means. I often joke. I say, well, I, it's Friday. I'm off. I don't pray for food on Fridays. It's my off day. I joke. But you cannot be that in your life. You seize every moment. Perseverance you push through. So James says, let your wisdom shine every day. Let heavenly wisdom lead you. Because there's people even at weddings that's hungry for the movement of spirit and they don't even know what they're hungry for. And I can testify on this day that what James wrote in this moment, let your deeds show it. I didn't go to that wedding as a sneer knoll. Mensen van my geroep, priester. I responded, ek het nie in hulle gesichte gegaan. Ek is a pastoor, luister jy nou vir my? No. 
Because what I want them to see is the approachability of Christ. You can talk to me. I'm a real man. Speak to me. While people danced away, I sat with men crying. Crying. My, my wedding, my, my relationship, my marriage is falling apart. On the wedding. Why? I want them to see what James is writing about. Be real, but be real in the presence and the wisdom of God. Why? Because I want you to feel you can talk to me. I want to be effective in the spirit. I want to be effective in the moment. You cannot switch it off. No, the same God in every service. The same parking, the same God. The sermon, the same word, because it's the same God. You and I need to desire and walk in the heavenly wisdom. So what does it mean? And I want to just quickly mention it. James is saying, stop being so full of pride. Stop honoring yourself. Stop placing yourself in positions if you cannot walk the walk. That's what he's saying. If you want to raise yourself up to a place of being a teacher, then you be a teacher. There's expectations. There's responsibility. There's a spiritual journey on another level when it comes to that. And that's where James started this whole chapter. If you want to be it, walk it. But then he encourages and he says, there's a godly wisdom you can follow. And I want to share in this day, just some points. When it's godly wisdom, what does it mean? It means that, number one, you are not weak. A lot of people, when they hear humility, I tell you, I spoke to a guy in this wedding. He's not a tall guy. He's maybe like this. He's built like Carl. But as I walk past, I don't know him. He grabs my hand and he almost took it with him home. He's a manly man. He is the head of his house. He's got a family. There's nothing weak about him except he does not believe in God. Dude, I took his hand. I pulled him off his chair. And this guy's there. Why? I'm not a weakling. You do not need to be weak, but you are meek. It means strength under control. That's meekness. David was a guy that in moments were meek. Uh, 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 Daniel. Daniel was meek. Stole my stack. And then Moses is proclaimed the meekest man on earth. He had all the authority backing him in God. But he never rose to the pedestal where he said, I did this. It was power under control. Don't become weak. Know your authority in Christ. Know the legal right in Christ. Know your movement in Christ. Be spirit-led, but listen, you can laugh with those around you. You can wear your flops at a wedding. You can have a Coke with someone. You can dance it out in the presence of God. It's a celebration. But never be weak in His presence. For I tell you, when a strong man that's not of God sees you, he will reject you. You're too weak for me. I'm not that. I run this race. See, the first thing is the wisdom of God is not about being weak. It's actually the opposite. You should be strong but under control. You should be spirit-led. 
The second thing is that wisdom from God is pure. Remember this. You cannot Sundays live the pure moment and Mondays you switch it off. It's not the heart of God. It's not the spirit of God. You see, wisdom from God is peaceable. You cannot always fight. Listen, I say again, you're not weak. These moments where the spirit leads to the conversation and even the conflict because of what should come out of it. You're not weak. You rise to the challenge if it's spirit-led. If you are weak, you've got to get this. If you are weak and the demon starts speaking out of that little teenager girl and you are weak, you will walk away and not take authority. I tell you, but when the power is in me, but it's under control, I rise to that moment. I look you in your eyes and say, in the name of Jesus, you have no right. It's not a place of weakness. You see, the thing is, when it's godly wisdom, you will step into a place of peace, but there's power in that peace. Not being weak. Then, godly wisdom is gentle. Yet again, it should be spirit-led. There's moments where you want to hit someone in the face maybe, but the gentleness should, in that moment, just, just take control. For in the right time and the right place, the Spirit will lead you to conversation that will be more powerful than hitting that guy in the face. It's just gentle. It's a place where you say, Lord, okay, you, as they talk, as they just rumble and they just go forward, just lead me. See, godly wisdom is reasonable. It means easily persuaded, the original word, but not gullible. You see, being gullible is weak. You're not weak. You are meek. You've got strength and self-control. But being reasonable means as they talk, you in your heart and in your spirit go like, Lord, is this you or them? Lord, should I say something or leave it? In every moment, there's no Sunday moment. It's a lifestyle moment. It's a moment where the Spirit leads. That's godly wisdom. So before you have your fight with your spouse, with your girlfriend, you withhold and you go like, Lord, guide my heart. For if you guide my hands, they will enter the floodgates today. You know, you, you hold back. See, wisdom from God is full of mercy and good fruits. You cannot... Listen, church, you cannot come to Sunday, sing it out loud, and you curse your fellow men, your wife, your kids, and your whole lifestyle is against the kingdom of God from Monday to Saturday. You cannot. For heavenly wisdom will have the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not saying having the perfect fruit of the Spirit, but I tell you, your Spirit can easily pick up when someone is trying and walking in the Spirit of God or not. You either connect or you do not connect. You're either vulnerable in the conversation of godly things or you've got like a wall built up for protection because your spirit just knows there's something not right. You see, the fruit should shine in your lives. I'm not saying you will become perfect. No one's an angel. But it's got to have fruit. Oh, Lord, I give you my life. We sing easily. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. But please don't ask me to pray on Mondays. 
Then you come to Monday once, you go like, Lord, I'm here. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you my soul. But please don't take my schedule. You see, the fruit should be there. Because I tell you the truth is God does not play games. When he says, give me your heart and life, and you've done it, then you should mean it. When God says, go pray, you go pray. Okay, but you still go. When there's opportunity, you step up, you step in, and you serve, and you be the difference, even at a wedding. I know it's like a lamb, but you sit with a guy crying because his marriage. Got to step in. See, that is the fruit of the Spirit. Being available, being willing. Godly wisdom is unwavering, and it touches on this. It means that when the schedule changes, you like, dude, I've got something planned already. You know, I serve in the coffee cafe, and I reach hearts every Sunday. I've got something planned. I'll see you after that. Oh, please come. Join me at coffee cafe, and we go there together. Let's have baptism, and then have a picnic. But I will never delete the baptism moment in the presence of God. I'll never erase that moment in the spirit to go have a picnic with you. Come, let's baptize. Let's celebrate. Let's be there. Let's be real and then have that. You see? You do not sway. Now, I don't pray for seven years now because I'm on a prayer sabbatical. No, that's nonsense. Some people live that lifestyle. I'm on a Bible sabbatical. What bedoel jy? Nee, yes, ek weet nie. Ek speel in my Bible. I hope I find it somewhere. You see, it's unwavering. When you decide when there's a willful decision, but here's the thing, when it's a spiritual decision, where you stand in the Spirit, I give you my life, I give you my heart, I give you my everything, then you should give your everything. Cannot be wavering on that. Nothing should be more attractive than the moment in His presence. And then godly wisdom is without hypocrisy. You cannot be a hypocrite. Because I tell you on that wedding, I saw that I had to be as real as ever. I had to tell that guy, listen, I heard this and this. It's awesome. But let me tell you this. There's sucky times in your marriage. Where you are at, you're not alone. Oh, there is moments like this in your marriage. Do you want to leave her? Yes. And he cries. I'm like, dude. Guess what? You're not alone because many other people sit in this exact space. But let me tell you, as someone, not a preacher, a normal human being, if God is in it, there's always hope. You've got to be real. No hypocrisy. Not, okay, no, you are real. You are sweaty. You are in the moment, but you speak the word of God. I'm not better than you are, but I tell you in this moment, oh man, when it's God-led, it will be sorted out. When God's in the middle, oh, it will fall into place. I tell you, when you just rearrange some things in your life and God is in those things, everything will change over time. For God has planned great things for us. It includes you and your marriage. It includes your future. But guess what, dude? You crying right now at a wedding, it includes this moment. No hypocrisy. You aren't better because you're wearing a short and I'm wearing jeans, now I'm lesser. 
I'm not better because I'm on a stage. You might know your word better than I do. You might sit here as I'm preaching. You have the whole sermon half an hour before because you and the Holy Spirit is like this. It's awesome. It makes you not better than no one else. It means you're maturing easier. You're growing closer, quicker. But even then, when you're that guy, you've got greater responsibility to bring the others in. When you think I'm that awesome, you've got greater responsibility and call to bring the disciples in and teaching them. So when you think you're great, guess what? You've got more work to do. It should be all of us. So when James said godly wisdom, he's speaking to the church. When he said godly wisdom, he spoke to the believers, it's you and me. He didn't exclude because you're a rabbi or a preacher or this. He said, everyone who believes, read this and know that godly wisdom should be your part. Let the fruit of the godly wisdom be seen. You know, when he says seen, he's expecting actions. Let it be seen through your actions, your deeds, your works, your serving. And I tell you this, when you enter into a place of serving in humility through the Spirit and you desire the fruit of the Spirit, you will be humbled by the power of God. But you will fill with thankfulness. You will be filled with gratitude. You will be filled with joy because you know no matter what happens, no matter the obstacle, my God is in it with me. That's what James is saying. Have godly wisdom because then you will know in and through him he's got your back. But when he's in and through you, he's got the back of those around you as well because you will be the light. You will be the salt of the earth. You will be the instrument. You will be the jar of clay. You will be used because you're willing and humble and obedient. Come on, church. Where lies your wisdom? Let me ask this, where have you slacked and lacked in your wisdom? With what wisdom and what heart's condition are you walking around with? Maybe you swayed all the way to the other side where you thought that being a follower of Christ is being weak. Then I want to tell you in this day, get back to your authority in Him. Become meek. I felt led to pray a prayer of dedication. Prayer of dedication that, Lord, here I am. I dedicate once again my everything. But I want you as a house to realize it's no joke. It's not something light. When you promise God, the Father, the living one that created everything, something you've got to follow through. You cannot back out. You cannot not mean it. So we're going to pray a song. I'm going to ask, close your eyes as we pray a prayer of dedication. See, this is between you and God. And even this day, you may be felt moved by the Spirit to dedicate once again your whole life, your scheduling, your mouth, your attitude, everything unto Him. And you want godly wisdom to be your part. Then just quickly lift your hand. We're going to pray with you. But you've got to mean this. Your actions need to follow. Your dedication should be reignited. The word should change, but you've got to be real in him. So, Father, I pray 
in this very moment, every hand on high, every heart directed, every bit of them in your presence, Lord, that you see the hearts, you see the desires, you see, Lord, the wants and the needs. I pray in this day. I pray that you move deeply. I pray that you move closely. I pray, Father, that you will be accurate in that decision and that your Holy Spirit will lead each and every heart. We dedicate ourselves once again, Father, to your godly wisdom. Like James wrote, Father, poured out by every bit, 110% here is a fairest moment. No matter our age, no matter our look, no matter our experience, Lord, it's in and through you. This is our desire, but this is our declaration and this is our decision as a church. Let us move in and through you, Father, not out of ourselves, but in and through you. In the mighty name of Jesus, pray this. Amen. Come on, church. Can we give a round of applause for every decision, every dedication? So I challenge you as your friend, not just your pastor. I challenge you, step up, move, be more be at everything, sign up, serve, be a part. Let's grow the kingdom of God. That is godly wisdom. Thank you so much for being here in this day. We're going to end off by you standing up and we're going to pray the blessing over you in the next moment. Please remember the fourfold. It's right in the back. Please remember to register. Coffee is outside. Gail, yeah, we're good. Coffee Cafe is waiting outside. And then we're going to take just a couple of minutes break before we do the training after the service so you can just hang around go grab a coffee by that coffee cafe and then pray tomorrow 6 30 be in the house it is always blessed in the presence of god so father thank you for this day this moment thank you for your word thank you for the worship thank you for the offering lord i pray a double portion blessing over each and every individual household and business lord let it be in and through you this week bring us safe back together in your glory in the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen.